From creation to the flood to the patriarchs to Egypt, join me, Pastor Hook, as we go through Genesis, the backstory to the beginning. And, um, so I guess we'll go ahead and start into Genesis. When, I, when we left yesterday, uh, we had seen uh, in Genesis 21, 22, that, um, that Abraham had been tested by God, and we spent a couple weeks on that, or a couple days on that. I don't think we're going to go back and revisit that. Um, some interesting stuff. That, that Abraham is the father of faith because he was tested. And maybe we'll even spend some more time when we go through the next book, uh, which probably will be one of the Gospels or maybe the book of Acts. I'm not sure. We'll have to see. Um, we talk a little bit about Abraham, so we might might go back and look at that. Mm. I haven't had my morning coffee yet, so I'm <laughs> drinking my coffee now as we as we do the Bible study. All right, so we're just going to go ahead and uh, move into um, the last part of Genesis uh, chapter 21. Um, no, 20, yeah, 22. So uh, this is going to be Genesis 22, beginning at verse 20. Sometime later, Abraham was told, Milcah is also a mother. She has born sons to your brother Nahor. Uz, the firstborn, Buzz, his brother, Kemuel, the father of Aram, Chesed, Hazo, Pildash, Jidlaf, and Bethuel. Bethuel became the father of Rebekah. Milcah bore these eight sons to Abraham's brother Nahor. His concubine, whose name was Ruema, also had sons, Teba, Geham, Tahash, and Makah. So this is more just a genealogy. Um, the, the one that comes out of here that just sticks out, of course, is Bethuel, who is the father of Rebekah. Rebekah, we haven't really seen in the picture yet, but we will see Rebekah coming up in a chapter or two. Rebekah is the wife of Isaac, the one that, that, uh, that uh, Abraham had to sacrifice before God, but at the last minute didn't sacrifice. He ends up getting married to a woman whose name is Rebekah. So this is the backstory for Rebecca. Now Abraham, we didn't know this, but Abraham apparently has a brother, a brother named Nahor. Now, in, I don't know if it's an actual brother or if it's part of the clan. If uh, we know that Lot, that he has a nephew named Lot, so he obviously has to have a brother to have a nephew, um, and Lot's not listed in any of this stuff. So this must be a different brother. Um, in in the New Testament you could call somebody a brother that was a cousin. Uh, and that's actually how um, James is depicted as the brother of Jesus. In the, in the Roman Catholic tradition, Jesus, Mary remains, after Mary has Jesus, then her womb is closed and she doesn't have any more children. Uh, that's, so she's permanently a virgin, I guess you could say. She's not a virgin, she's, she has Jesus, but that doesn't necessarily deny her virginity, and she stays virgin for the rest of her life because her womb is closed. But uh, in the New Testament, we see that Jesus has a brother named James. And so in the Roman Catholic tradition, they say that James is actually a cousin, that a cousin was as close as a brother, so they were called brothers. So that, and that, I think there's some, some uh, truth to that. So, uh, 
that 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 you could call a cousin or brother, but um, I think that James actually is the brother of Jesus. Uh, and if you look at the Greek, there's actually two words for um, for brothers and sisters: uh, prototectikos and monogeneus. Monogeneus means it's the one and only, and prototectikos means it's the prototype, but others came afterwards. And uh, James is called the prototectikos of Jesus, which means that he's, you know, Jesus is not the monogeneus, he's the prototectikos. So uh, that's just looking at the Greek, I, I don't see, and I don't understand, and I don't think it needs to be biblically that Mary remains perpetually virgin. So and that's, uh, that's way, that's way into the weeds on that. But apparently, um, apparently uh, Bethuel is the father of Rebecca. Milka has eight sons. I mean, so, and then there's a concubine that has four sons. So there's a lot of children here uh, for uh, Abraham's brother. And if Abraham didn't have any children at all, this would just, oh, this would grate against Abraham. He'd be so upset and angry at his brother that he was so blessed to have so many children. Abraham doesn't have any. But Abraham has one, and one is all you need to perpetuate the line. And as we'll see as we get farther into the story, uh, Abraham is not lacking in progeny. Uh, even though he has one son, uh, he still is blessed with, with a descendancy that's incredible. Um, you know, the, so his brother Nahor has a concubine. I don't know if we talked about concubines very much, but... Uh, it's very much kind of like what Hagar was. Hagar was a servant in the household of, of Abraham. She's not called a concubine here. Uh, Nahor calls her a concubine, which means she's there for the express purpose of producing children for the tribe of Nahor. So uh, you, you could, uh, there are a lot of people that have looked into this whole concubinage that what apparently happened in the Hebrew tradition uh, a concubine is a little bit less than a spouse. A spouse is somebody you actually, you know, be, get betrothed to. You go through the whole process. You get married. You have children. And, and there's definitely a special place for the spouse. The spouse becomes part of the lineage of inheritance and all that sort of thing. Concubine is just a, another way to produce, you know, if, depending upon, it was different uh, ways of looking at concubines. Sometimes the concubine's children had a special status. Sometimes they're just simply slaves. Uh, I mean, it was just, it's, uh, you, you, you marry into a slave or a concubine and then, and they have no rights and privileges in the, in the tribe. They're just, they're just extra children running around that have their father, uh, but they're not, they're not, they don't have any rights or privileges because of that. And it doesn't really say here about Nahor, uh, except that he has four sons from this concubine, uh, Ruema. So um, I don't see anything else in this story uh, from Genesis chapter 22. So I think we'll go on to Genesis chapter 23. So this is the death of Sarah, beginning in Genesis chapter 23, verse 1. Sarah lived to be 127 years old. She died at Kiriath Arba, that is Hebron, in the land of Canaan, and Abraham went to mourn for Sarah and to weep over her. So this is um, not surprising. Uh, this is the death of Sarah. They'd been together pretty much from the beginning. 
Sarah had followed Abraham out of the land of Ur and all the way around into Egypt and everywhere. And, you know, was told by Abraham that it's his sister, which it really was, uh, but it was truly his wife. They had an interesting relationship and a long relationship. Sarah stayed with Abraham for his whole entire life um, and uh, was there as a constant companion, uh, mother of Isaac, you know, they grieved together that they didn't have children. They rejoiced together when they have children. Uh, she was horrified when she found out that I, Isaac was almost sacrificed on the altar. Uh, but she obviously, you know, stayed with uh, Abraham uh, up until the very end. And theirs is a bittersweet marriage. I, not bittersweet, just anytime you're together for that long, you can't help but be sorry for Abraham. I mean, here's a woman that stood by him for a very, very long time. It's interesting. In today's society, women tend to outlive men, by and large. Um, but back then, particularly because of childbirth and the pain and the struggles of childbirth, it seems like women were didn't live as long as men. And uh, th this is the case here. Abraham outlived Sarah. But today, that would be unusual. Today, more often than not, the women outlive the men. I'm not entirely sure why that is. Uh, it could be because childbirth, we've been able to figure out childbirth better. We don't typically have a lot of problems in childbirth. Um, maybe that's part of it. I don't, I don't know. Um, but for whatever reason, um, it's changed. Although not always. Uh, there... We just had someone recently associated with a congregation where his wife died. They were married. Um, well, you may know him, Paul Schaefer. Kay, Kay was, uh, she died, what, two or three weeks ago, or maybe a month ago. And um, they had been married for a long time. I don't want to, maybe 60-something years. I mean, just absolutely amazing how long they were married. And that's tough. When you've been married that long, it just it's just tough. Um so uh, if, you, if you, by chance, get a long marriage, that is a huge blessing from God. Um, and, but the, the difficulty is, is that when it finally one of the spouses dies, then it becomes a great time of grieving. And Abraham went to mourn for Sarah and to weep over her. And of course he should because they were married for so long. Um, yeah, that's everything up to verse 2. Hmm. We continue on. Verse 3. Then Abraham rose from beside his dead wife and spoke to the Hittites. He said, I'm a foreigner and a stranger among you. Sell me some property for a burial site so I can bury my dead. The Hittites replied to Abraham, Sir, listen to us. You are a mighty prince among us. Bury your dead in the choicest of our tombs. None of us will refuse you his tomb for burying your dead. Then Abraham rose and bowed down before the people of the land, the Hittites. He said to them, If you are willing to let me bury my dead, then listen to me and intercede with, my, with Ephron, son of Zohar, on my behalf. So he will sell me the cave of Malkpilah, which belongs to him and is at the end of his field. Ask him to sell it to me for the full price as a burial site among you. So, Abraham says, I'm a foreigner here, but I need a place to bury. Now, I know what you're thinking. Um, uh, well, it, it, Abraham is a nomadic guy, 
And as a nomadic person, a lot of times what happened is that they would bury somebody, put them in the ground, and then if by chance they needed to move from that place to the next place, they would actually dig up and take the bones and actually move the bones with them. Uh, in the, later on in the, in the Greek period, they would actually bury somebody in a, in a, in a, uh, a cave, uh, and then they would, the, because of the heat of the cave and the dryness of the cave, would, you know, would turn to bones rather quickly, and then pull the bones out, They'd have a box, it was a carved box, it was called an ossuary, and they'd put the bones in the ossuary, and oftentimes they would keep the bones with them. That was because you'd want the bones of your ancestor to kind of follow you around. And the fact that Abraham is actually buying a plot means that he plans to just stick around for a while, uh, that he wants to be near his wife, Sarah, and actually get a plot, actually finally stay put in one location and spend the rest of his life near his beloved wife, Sarah. And so he wants to talk to the Hittites. He's listening. Yeah, this is your land. I understand that. I just need a little spot for me to bury my wife and I'm, I'll pay you full price for whatever that is. Uh, and the one place I'd love is uh, Ephron, son of Zohar, has, has a place that I would love to have that cave it's the end of his field and maybe you could help me you know talk to him to get the cave i'll pay him full price well let's see what happens beginning of verse 10 ephron the hittite was sitting among his people and he replied to abraham in the hearing of all the hittites who had come to the gate of his city no my lord he said listen to me i give you the field and i give you the cave that is in it i give it to you in the presence of my people bury your dead Again, Abraham bowed down before the people of the land, and he said to Ephron in their hearing, Listen to me, if you will. I will pay the price of the field. Accept it from me so I can bury my dead there. Ephron answered Abraham, Listen to me, my lord. The land is worth 400 shekels of silver, but what is that between you and me? Bury your dead. Abraham agreed to Ephron's terms and weighed out for him the price he had named in the hearing of the Hittites, 400 shekels of silver, according to the weight current among the merchants. So again, we have this, um, Abraham is willing to pay full price in front of all the Hittites. He says, listen, I'm willing to pay, pay full price. And, and the honorable thing for Ephron, he says, listen, you're, you're a, a guest here. The land is really uh, worth 400 shekels, but I give it to you if you want it. You don't have to pay me for the land. Uh, I, you know, today we wouldn't even dream about giving up land because land is of such short supply. But back then there was land everywhere. I mean, just a, a field with a cave. He could probably have a field. There are plenty of fields that he could do. Um, but for whatever reason, he sets the price of 400 shekels. Abraham then buys the land for 400 shekels. So there's no, it's in front of everybody that there is absolutely no question. Money changed hands. It's definitely Abraham's, Abraham's land at this point. Full purchase price uh, on the land, no question about it, it's definitely Abraham's land. The cave is his and the land is his. It was 400 shekels and everybody saw that. All right. So Ephron's field in Malkpilah near Mamre, both the field and the cave in it, and all the trees within the borders of the field was deeded to Abraham as his property in the presence of all the Hittites, who had come to the gate of the city. Afterwards, Abraham buried his wife Sarah in the cave in the field of Machpelah near Mamre, 
which is at Hebron in the land of Canaan. So the field and the cave in it were deeded to Abraham by the Hittites as a burial site. So as you can see, no question about it. This whole entire chapter talks about how Abraham owns the cave and the land. Uh, and he purchased it off of this guy, Ephron. Uh, and it's three times in here that it talks about it. So Ephron volunteered to give it to Abraham. Abraham says, no, I'll pay you a full price. Ephron says, well, full price is about 400 shekels. Abraham cancels out the shekels. And then twice here, it's the cave and the land all belong to Abraham. He's going to put Sarah in the cave and he's going to he's going to definitely own this. And it's deeded. There's actually some sort of deed that that is given to Abraham. Uh it could have been a stone with a carving in it. That was typically what happened at that time. It was kind of before papyrus. Uh, so the only way that you could actually monument or, or you know, create some sort of document that says that there's a deed would be to chisel something into stone and have that. Um, we'll see that later on when Moses goes up to uh, Mount Sinai and gets uh, gets the Ten Commandments from God, that's written in stone. So that's... That was a common way to, uh, and if you look at early, early, early uh, Hebrew writings that we have, um, a lot of them are carved into stone. So this is, this is definitely probably how it was done. Uh, it was probably something carved into stone, and now Abraham has the deed, he has the land, he has the cave. Uh, and so Abraham now spends the rest of his life near his beautiful wife, Sarah, mourns mourns her, but stays near the cave. Um, and uh, I think what a blessing to have to have a companion like that for the rest of your life. Some of you uh, may have lost somebody early on and so you didn't get a, you know, the, the 50, 60, 70 years with somebody. And uh, I'm sure even today you probably mourn that. Um, some of you may have been blessed to, to have a long life with somebody and that's a blessing too um uh every day that we get with somebody like every day i get with jennifer is a blessing and um i should i should praise god and thank god for every day that we get together because you never know when it could be taken from you you never know when that's the last day uh, when you may have with somebody so uh anybody that's in your life that you love just just thank god praise god for the blessing of companionship because you just don't know how long it's going to last. Abraham and Sarah had a long time together, uh, but that doesn't happen for everybody. So I think we'll end it there. The next, the next chapter uh, is chapter 24, uh, which goes in. It's chapter 24 is a very long chapter in Genesis. It's probably the longest chapter in Genesis. I'll have to check that out. But uh, talks about Isaac and what happens to him and and where he gets his wife and the whole thing there. And uh, we kind of preset it up here by looking at uh, Rebecca, but we'll really get into detail on that because there's some interesting stuff that happens there. But we'll leave it here. So thanks for joining me today. Again, don't forget, uh, Friday, no Bible study. And then starting next week, you might want to be thinking about how you're going to, what you're going to do about that. But I'll live broadcast at 7 and then I'll upload it quickly as I can to both Facebook and YouTube. And as soon as those are available on Facebook and YouTube, you can watch them. And it may be 8 o'clock, but it may not be till 8.30. I don't know. But uh, we'll, we'll play it by ear and see kind of what happens. But 
Uh, let's close in prayer. Dear God, thanks for this day. Uh, thank you for the blessing of companionship. Um, thank you for the example of Abraham and Sarah. Uh, be with us today until we meet again tomorrow. In Jesus' name, amen.